Welcome to this Food Thing podcast. This is the place where we talk about our relationship with food, whether it is friend or foe, easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. Here's today's episode. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Carolina Mountford. Carolina is a mental health advocate, speaker and writer who's passionate about shedding light on mental health issues and communicating a message of hope and freedom. Carolina lived with eating disorders and depression for 15 years. Long recovered, she now travels the UK delivering talks and workshops on various mental illnesses with the underlying intention to remove the stigma around these issues. Carolina, welcome to This Food Thing Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Do you know what? As I was reading that, I was feeling a bit stumbly. Is it Carolina or Carolina? You're so kind to ask. Um, It is Carolina. You got it right. It is Carolina. It is, yes. I wanted to stop and start again and I was thinking, no, no, keep going, keep going. (laughs) Carolina, okay. Um, How are you? All well? Yeah, ish. Um, Ish. Ish. Yeah, largely well. Um, I've had a bit of a gallbladder attack, a gallstone attack um, last weekend. And I'm sort of okay. I'm still, I'm still sort of navigating the after effects of that and still, you know, suffering with some lingering pain. Um, but apart from that, which I'm sure everybody wanted to know, um, I'm fine. <laughs> well, I think it's good to know because um, you have to change your diet, can't you? And it can feel restrictive. But as, as I yeah. said in your introduction, you're long recovered, so you're able to handle that. But I imagine for other people that might be an issue. It really is. And it's got me thinking. You know, so I went to the mm. GP on Monday and came away having under the strict instructions of go, of following a no fat um, or if that's not possible, a low fat diet and really be quite strict about it. Um, and I thought, OK, well, that's fine. You know, that obviously means I just can't eat bacon and, you know, yeah. sausages maybe. Um, and, I, and, and then we, we talked a bit more and it you know, it turns out that there's, you know, I'm not allowed cheese. I'm not allowed anything fried. I'm not allowed. To, there is a lot that I'm not allowed. And I've had to spend the week um, being really careful and looking at, into quite a lot of detail as to what I can and can't eat and what what constitutes a fatty food and, 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 and what doesn't. And it just struck me yesterday that I, you know, spending so much time thinking about what I'm eating, I haven't had to do that for for so long, and have you have you found it difficult, or I guess the word's it, triggering, it's isn't difficult. it? it? It's difficult in that it's just simply so restrictive, and yeah, and I'm yeah. not I'm not used to that anymore. Uh, you know, I eat anything and everything. Um, well, I mean, I don't. I've got a list as long as my arms of things that I don't like, but that's completely different. But of the yeah. things that I do like, I, I, there is no restriction um, normally in, until Monday. And so to suddenly have to be aware of so much that I'm not allowed and cut so much out, it's, I mean, it's, it's time consuming because I've got to think about it. But more than anything, it's just really annoying. I'm not allowed right. a whole bunch of stuff that I really want and yeah. love. You know, I can't have any cheese. I can't have any dairy. I can't have, um, yeah. You can't anything. have oil. You can't, can't have, have any fat, can I you? I can't have any fat. I mean, yeah. obviously there are some fats that are better than others, but even things like avocados and, and oils and, you know, olive oil, right. like, even that isn't brilliant. Um, yeah. And I mean, the you know, GP recognised it. It's very hard to have a completely no fat diet. But, um, and I said, well, you know, if, if I have, you know, something, you know, one day, she said, well, th- that could trigger an, an attack. It may not, right, but, it, right. but it may well. 
because my, Very... my my gallstone is quite big, and so it wouldn't take much to you know for for me to feel the consequences of eating something I shouldn't. Okay. But I remember saying okay. to my husband yesterday, thinking, "Gosh, you know, I'm I'm really grateful to be where I am, where I am in my relationship with food, because you know, for someone with an eating disorder or recovering from an eating disorder or or being well, but perhaps not for a very long time, this could so easily set someone back. And I just thought, gosh, I, I hope there isn't anyone out there in this situation. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, statistics will tell me that there probably That's, are, but it's in, it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to answer the question for you. The question that I always ask: friend or foe with food? Are you yeah. friend? Are you foe? And I'm going to say this week you've been foe, but I'm imagining that you've been a friend with yes. food for a long time. Yes. Um, can you just can you just give me a, us a brief potted history? I, I know that you had eating disorders a long, long time ago. Yeah. What What was going on then? Um, so my eating disorders started when I was in my sort of early mid teens. Um, Why? Do you because know? I think I do. Yes. Um, largely uh, instability in childhood. We moved okay. around an awful lot. So between the ages of seven to thirteen, I lived in. I went to eight different schools in five different countries using three wow. different languages, not right. always knowing the language before I landed at a school. Um, there was that. Home was really difficult. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was um, emotionally distant, but could also be really suffocating, um, at times physically abusive. Um, and, uh, but crucially, I discovered, in, oh, and she also put me on a diet when I was nine, um, so I think at nine, the first seeds were planted. And then... You, did you need to go on a diet? Um, well, I mean, I, you, you I, could I say what kid needs to go on a diet, but... Well, well exactly. Um, I mean, I I suppose I might have had a bit of puppy fat, right. um, but but I wasn't, you know, I no, I mean, if I was saw she, Was thing, she on, always on a diet? Was she just transferring her stuff onto you? Uh, Probably she 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 did and does have a less so now, but she was extremely preoccupied with appearance. Okay. Um, I wasn't conscious of her actively being on a diet, but very conscious of how she looked, and and I was really conscious of how she spoke about other people, and mm. and it wasn't very kind. Um, and she would say things like, oh, you know, talking about so-and-so, oh, she'd be so pretty if she, if she lost some weight. Right, okay. Or, um, or you know, she, she's, you know she, she does really well and well, but, oh, but wouldn't it be great if she was a bit thinner? Or, you know, just things mm. like that. And I just thought, why does that even matter? Anyway, and so I think her preoccupation with how we looked, um, and I was being teased at school and, and bullied and called all sorts of horrible names, Um but the fact that I could have shrugged that off were it not for the fact that then she also put me on a diet and thought, oh, well, in that case, they must be right because my mother clearly thinks the same. Mm. And so I sort of took on that identity of, you know, the fat kid. And um, So can I just ask you something? Mm. When she put you on the diet, mm. did she phone the school and say, this is Carolina's new eating plan? Or was it? Just at home. No, it was and just at how home. How did she enforce the diet? Um, well, I wasn't. Did allowed she shame to, you? Um, well, yeah. I mean, I was. I was called names at home as well. But of course, they. They. I say they. My mother and my brothers. Um, they sort of did it in jest, and it, it was done in Spanish. And and they sort of used endings of words that sort of make it sound a bit gentler and a bit nicer. But mm. it wasn't. 
Um, mm-hmm. And for you know, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be allowed. I think and I wasn't allowed carbs. Certainly no, you know, cakes and biscuits and sweets and all that sort of stuff went out the window. Um, and it was essentially it was a low carb, low fat diet. It was sort of you know meat and veg. Um, mm. And I, I don't remember too much of the details though, but I just I remember the feeling of yeah. I'm I'm not right. I'm I'm not accepted mm. in this way. How I look now. And, um, and those feelings of not feeling accepted kind of always stuck with me. And, and I felt, I just never felt good enough. And in my teens, I discovered, well, no, I didn't discover. I knew that in between my two older brothers, my mum had had a baby girl and who didn't survive. Um, she died as, as a baby. And so I knew, but we all knew about this baby, but we, she was never spoken of. And I knew she, we knew she was a girl, but she was never spoken of. And then in my, but I always wanted to ask questions, but I, I never dared because, you know, we, our family environment just wasn't one where we had, you know, these sorts of conversations. And one day in my teens, uh, I did find myself sort of sitting with my mother at the kitchen table, having one a really rare sort of conversation. And, and I kind of plucked up the courage to ask her what the baby had been called. And and she was called Carolina. And, wow. and I was like, oh, my gosh. And when she first said it, I thought, I thought she was just talking to me. And it was the, like, the beginning of her answer. As if, you know, well, Carolina, uh, we were thinking of, you know, whatever, whatever. And then I realized that she'd stopped talking. And, and that was the answer to my question. And it, it, the world just stopped for such a long time. And, and then it just imploded. Um, I can't and, imagine what that must have felt like. You must remember what that felt like that moment. Oh my gosh! It it it, it reinforced, and it. I'd grown up feeling, knowing about this baby girl. I felt like I was a replacement, and uh. and that I wasn't wanted for who I was, but for who I represented, and for who I she should have been or could have been, and. Um, but I always shrugged those feelings off. I thought, no, that's ridiculous. Don't, you know, don't be silly. Um, I was always compared to my older brothers who excelled at everything. I was compared to my friends. And so all those feelings of, you know, no matter what I do, I can't seem to please my parents, um, were always, you know, floating around my head. And so with this revelation, all those feelings, which I tried to shrug off and ignore and dismiss and as ludicrous suddenly they all made sense. I was like, no, I'm right. I've, uh, she's just told me I'm right <laughs> in, 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 wow. in not so many words. And, and that's really when my eating disorder kicked off. And, um, and we, did you become bulimic or did you stop eating? I, I became bulimic because someone at school had said, oh, if you make yourself sick, you'll lose weight and be thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I, I started, um, with bulimia. And then over the next 15 years, kind of, you know, oscillated between, I had periods of being, of suffering with bulimia and periods of um, struggling with anorexia. Yeah. Um, and. Did yeah. your mother notice? No. no. No one noticed? No one, no one knew, no one noticed. And. Um, Even you know, when you were losing weight, they were just y- thinking, oh, that's good. She's lost some weight. Yeah. 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 They said, everyone said, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. You look amazing. And um, uh, in my, Early twenty, uh, early twenty, very early twenties. I um, had sort of my biggest relapse, and because we were working through um, a trauma that had happened ten years earlier, I, I'd been raped, and 
Um, and But I, I, when it happened, I couldn't and didn't tell anyone. So I kind of put it away for 10 years. And then in therapy, finally, um, we addressed it. And at the same time that we were sort of unpicking that, I lost my job. I couldn't pay my rent. I um, became heavily indebted and kind of my world imploded again. And right. uh, and it just, it just triggered you know, a, a massive relapse. And during that time, I, I lost a lot of weight very quickly. And yeah. um, my excuse was that I didn't have any money that I couldn't afford to buy food. And, um, and I had calls from relatives in South America to say who had heard on the family grapevine that I'd lost so much weight and they were calling to congratulate me. No way. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Do you and, know, obtusely, obtusely, I'm going to ask, did you get any satisfaction from them calling you and saying, well uh, done? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It felt great for about 10 seconds. Sure. Okay. And, then I, and then I just thought, you have no idea. My life yeah. is in pieces. I am broken. But yay, I've lost however many kilos I've lost. Great. I'm, you know, I'm happy that's make that's made you pick up the phone and make an international phone call. You know, we're talking 20 years ago, so it would have cost them a fortune. Um, but wow. I'm so glad that wow. you're willing to spend your money congratulating me. Thanks. Uh, the, cu- the currency of that in your family. I mean, you've just said it was expensive to call. It was that important. Yeah. So that must have been in the mix with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and, and, you know, for years, so my, my parents in, uh, in the spring of my A-levels decided that that would be a really good time to uproot. We were living in London and to uproot and go and live in Ecuador, but leave the three of us in London. This was in March. I was doing my A-levels six weeks later <sighs> and they packed up the flat. They, they left me with a bed, a kitchen table, the dining table, my older brother for company, and I think a sofa and a telly, more or less. And the phone line stayed plugged in. <laughs> but more or less, they packed up the flat and upped and left. And so, um, uh, why am I why am I telling you this? I can't remember. What, I mean, a that was, that, telling- was, that was a period where you know the eating disorder just kind of got a really good grip because I was essentially on my own, isolated, um, with with no one to look out for me. Um, but there was a reason I was telling God, menopause, no, brain I said- fog. <laughs> Losing no, no, my no, train God. of well, thought. Welcome to my world. It's constant. I can't even remember this morning or who I am. My, no, my question was about the currency of, um, and I took you off your story, so my apologies. No, no, We'll no, take a quick fine. break in a minute. But my question was about the um, the value of the current of, the, of, mm. of losing weight in your family, and that it was in in the mix. And then you went yeah. to your A yeah, levels no, and how right. your parents left. Yeah, um, and so. Yeah, so there were periods um, then, and in, in, in the following years, where where I lost a lot of weight, and yeah, and they did. They, everyone, everyone just said how brilliant it was. A boyfriend had a rather unkind boyfriend. Um, I dodged a bullet there. Told me that I needed to lose weight, and I stupidly believed him. And so, and this is while I was in Ecuador. Um, and so I lost a lot of weight. And again, you know, the, the compliments came, and yes, they felt good for about ten seconds, and then, you know, I immediately started obsessing again over what I wasn't going to eat and what people were thinking, what he was thinking, um, you, you know, that, that sort of you know, internal nonstop uh, rat race that, that, that goes on. Um, yeah, that constant and, dialogue. We, we're going to take yeah. a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to This Food Thing Podcast. I'm here with Carolina Mountford. And 
I'm tr- this I just said to her in the break, I'm not going to take you away from your story because I've got all these questions that I want to ask. But I'm going to pick up from, so your parents left, went to Ecuador. You're left with your older brother in the flat with bare minimum of furniture. And you have a relapse in your 20s in therapy. You talk about being raped, et cetera. One question before we, I didn't mean to say rape, et cetera. I'm just (laughs) trying to condense it all. Sorry about that. I know. I understand. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to, so before we move forward, when you were anorexic and bulimic, um, particularly when you were anorexic, did you, did it help through that very, very difficult time when your life fell apart? Did it help give you some control? Do you look back now and go, actually, I'm kind of glad that I had that as a, as a mechanism to hang on or is that just... A bit odd. It's really interesting. I um, I remember at the time thinking, I'm so glad. I've got so many things that I'm struggling with and that I'm worrying about. You know, mm. the, the 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 trauma, the job loss, the debt, the how am I going to pay my bills? Um, and I remember at the time thinking, not eating is so straightforward. I, it, yeah, it just th- there's no argument there's no debate there's no thought there's no consideration I don't have to give it any thought time or energy because I just know that the answer is going to be no to everything yeah so I I remember thinking that thinking gosh it's just so much easier not eating um and but very much in terms of it it, because then when I did start to eat again I remember thinking gosh this is really complicated and really difficult and takes up so much of my headspace, which ironically, it, you know, we talk about how much headspace eating disorders take and, and eating disorder thoughts taking up our, our, our headspace and, and time and energy. I think I had so much else going on that I, I just thought I, I haven't got time to consider food. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, it did numb a lot of the pain that I was feeling. It, um, and I think that's, I was also using it for that. Well, I was using it for that. Um, what, um, what started, okay, so everything in your life has fallen apart. Mm. You're in the throes of your eating disorder. Mm. When did it shift? What started to, yeah, what, what happened? Um, I, I hit rock bottom and... I I hadn't eaten for so properly for so long that um, I remember trying to get on a bus to go somewhere and I didn't have the strength to actually step onto the bus and oh. I was about to pass out and I thought uh, I, I physically cannot get on this bus like that step up onto the bus I I just couldn't do it and so I backed away and I sat on a bench and eventually managed to kind of walk back home. And I walked back in and my flatmate saw me and I, I saw her visibly kind of gasp as she saw me. And, and, and I think that, and I lived with her. I mean, it was, she was, she was, and she's been my best friend since I was 11. Um, but I think seeing her and she'd seen me 20 minutes earlier. I, I think seeing her reaction kind of, I thought, Oh, she she's definitely seen something that's not right. And mm. um and she said, You 
you are blue around your lips. Wow. And, and I thought, yeah, that doesn't sound great. I'm sure that's not right. <laughs> um, you understand the statement of the year. I think, I think I might feel a bit poorly. Right. Um, but, but also, so it was that. And it was also that her and her mum, who had been kind of my safe adult um, since I was um, 11, and the person that I kind of trusted and spoke to and, you know, could bear my soul to. Um, mm. and, and one or two other people had said to me, we are really worried. You've, you've got to stop. You've got to do something. Um, and when enough people that you know deep in your heart really care about you express a concern like that, uh, I took it seriously. It's so easy to dismiss that we have an eating disorder, that we have a problem, that it is a problem. It's very easy to dismiss it for a long time. And, but when it got to that stage, I kind of thought, you know, enough people saying it frequently enough that I sort of began to listen and thought, okay. And, and deep down, I think I knew, right? I, I just, I did know. I, you know, at one point I was catatonic on my bed and, and I kind of knew that wasn't, what everyone else was doing in their life. <laughs> um, how, how did you get yourself better? I, I, I basically, I put my hands up and I said, okay, I'm going to, but they were all pushing me to go see doctors. And, and, and I was, I had already been turned away from mental health services before. And, and I know what that did to me and how that felt. And, and so I said, okay, I put my hands up. I said, I will get better, but I'm not going anywhere near a doctor or a hospital. Mm. I'm doing it on my own with this therapist that I'm working with, who wasn't, by the way, an eating disorder specialist. She was a really good therapist, but it wasn't. But um, you don't need to be an eating disorder specialist. No. You just need to be a good therapist, like yeah. you said. And, and, and she was good. And I said, I'm doing it, but I'm doing, I'm doing it on my own. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not touching doctors. I'm not going anywhere mm. near that. And, um, and, and, and that, that was really the the, the beginning of the end of my eating disorder. Um, and, and it took a while and, you know, I've, I've looked through my diary, sort of the, the, my journals from back then the last couple of years. And, um, you know, and I remember, you know, I was reading that, you know, we had deals that, you know, I was going to eat at this time and this night and that she was going to call me immediately before, and she was going to call me immediately after and, and, you know, really hold me accountable. And, and then, um, uh, you know, we had meals together and, and in my journal I've written, you know, I'm, I'm cancelling going, going to see her tonight. And um, it, it, it was hard, really hard. Um, but you know, bit by bit by bit and, and, and everyone who's tried to recover and has recovered from an eating disorder will know that it's, it, it's up and down, it's backwards and forwards. It, it, it's not linear and, and it's messy and it's, um, and, and that's, and that's how it was. Um, Did you enjoy having someone to look out for you in that way and to give you boundaries? Um, or did you find yes, it overwhelming? Yes and no. Um, I think I, I think I did at the time. I I did appreciate it. I think because I felt I'd felt quite abandoned by adults before, mm. um, for obvious reasons, and felt like 
adults didn't care about me and that I didn't matter. And, and, you know, and and my own thoughts were telling me that I didn't matter and nobody would miss me if I wasn't here and nobody would care and nobody would notice. And, um, and so to have one or two, you know, my therapist and, you know, also my best friend's mum, um, Mm. kind of check up on me. It was more my therapist though, who, who, you know, held sort of quite tight, uh, boundaries and, um, and but would message me and uh, yes it, it it did help um and, and did you your recovery when you first started recovering was that followed by bouts of depression or was the depression ongoing um I, I'd probably say I've had um three bouts of depression uh, in my life um one was when I was uh, quite poorly in Luxembourg which is where I was working there and it was the time round about where my best friend's mum, who's called Nancy, I'm going to give her a name. Um, okay. Nancy had, um, had said to me after a few months, uh, it, it's time your parents knew. I'd confided in her years before about my eating disorder and she had patiently, you know, just given me space, given me time to make my own decisions, but actually watched me get worse and worse and worse. Um, mm. I mean, with, with periods of, of being okay and, and, you know, up and down, uh, but in Luxembourg, things deteriorated a lot. And, and she kindly um, helped to find me a therapist there, which wasn't easy. If you imagine, you know, Luxembourg 25 years ago uh, mm-hmm. was a, or even more, about 25 years ago, uh, you know, a really tiny, uber conservative country where I don't think, you know, mental health was even a thing, let alone, you know, eating disorders. I mean, they, you yeah, know, yeah. and she did find me someone who was um, dreadful, but um, she wasn't to know that. Um, and so, um, yeah, could you know, he told me to go look at porn. That was, that was his treatment plan for me. Um, I'm like, oh, awesome. Okay. Um, I don't, th- I don't, don't think I'll come back to you. Um, <laughs> He actually handed me porn magazines as I left. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I kid you not. He gave me three porn no. magazines, Playboy, Hustle, and I can't remember what the other one was. Um, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm really in the wrong place here. I've not heard um, that one before for eating disorders. <laughs> <laughs> Let's speak again. I can tell you the, um, the, the, the theory behind it. Um, wow, and, okay. And, but it got to the point where she said, okay, your parents have to know. Mm. And if you don't tell them, I will. She she staged an intervention essentially, and right. um, and so that's that's when I told my parents. Um, How did they react? Can I ask that? Um, my mother got on a plane and came to see me in Luxembourg, and when I started talking to her and telling her about it, um, I think I talked for about two and a half minutes. And then, and then she started talking and went on for about 45 minutes about how difficult her life had been and how hard yeah. it was to be married to my father and about the difficult choices they had to make and da 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 and how, and it wow. became all about her. And, and she said, oh, you know, it, it, it's just a phase you're going through. And I looked at her and I said, um, mom, it's been 15 years. And she said, yeah, yeah, it'll wow. pass. Yeah. Do you think she'd been there as well or her mum? No, or... I don't think so. I don't think so. I think the way she talked, no, I think she was clueless and was quite happy being clueless. Um, she didn't pick up a single book or leaflet or or anything. Um, 
she literally, I think she literally just thought it, it was a diet gone a bit wrong and, and, and it would soon right itself. Because to acknowledge that it was anything other than that would mean taking some responsibility, not all of it mm. by any mm. means. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I don't, in that sense, I don't, I did then, I blamed everything on them. Um, I don't now. You but, do for a while, though, don't you? While yeah. you while you work work through it, yeah, yeah. And and whilst you know, I didn't understand everything that I understand now, and you know, I'm old now. So, <laughs> um. <laughs> can I just ask before? So I'm understanding why you suddenly were very depressed after that. Can I just ask, sort of today, is is your mum still alive? Uh, do you, did you heal your relationship with her? I get asked that a fair bit, and uh, not surprisingly. Um, I, she is still alive. My father passed away um, 13 years ago. Um, my mother is very much still alive. She still lives in Ecuador. She comes over once a year. In fact, she's coming at the beginning of July. Um, it's very difficult because... No wonder you've got a stone playing up. Yeah, <laughs> probably. You know? Because... So, you know, I, we, together with my husband, we have tried to, we've tried to make things better. We've tried to reconcile, but it's very difficult to do that with someone who doesn't see that they have done anything wrong. So why do you still see her? Because that's, you, you, there is that choice, isn't there? You obviously want to have a relationship with her. In fact, th- this podcast isn't about this, but it is so important to, heal the relationships yeah. in your life, either with carrying on to see those people or, or not seeing the people. So you've chosen it's, to see her it's a on really your terms. In, yeah, no, it's a really interesting, and it is on my terms. And in fact, we're, we're battling with it now because we've invited her to stay for six day, five or six days at the beginning of July, and she's then going to go and visit my brother, and then she's going to go visit my other brother. Um, and we said, okay, come, come for these five days. Um, and we are now battling because she's now saying, it's not long enough. I want, can I come for longer? Can I come earlier? Can I come before? And I'm saying, mm. no, you can't. I'm really sorry. We've got lots of things on the week before. We, it's just too complicated. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And, 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 I'm, and I'm receiving, uh, yesterday I got five WhatsApp messages going, this is really hurtful. You don't care about your family. Um, wow. Maybe, wow, she's still doing ma- it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe when you're old and widowed and on your own, you might understand what it's like <gasps> not to see your grandchildren. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, wow. and okay. so we're, we're still battling with boundaries, but, but she doesn't, she just doesn't understand boundaries. She doesn't understand that she doesn't always get her way. She doesn't understand that, um, she's caused a lot of hurt. You know, I apologize to my children practically every other day of the week because <laughs> right. I know when I get things wrong and, and, but, and yes, we have arguments and yes, we fall out, but, but we repair, we come together, we forgive we ask for forgiveness, we repent, we try and, you know, make things better. But my mother guess, said mm. 18, 19 years ago when we went out to see her and um, or to see them, you know, she said, and these were her words verbatim, I'm your mother, I have nothing to apologise for. That's and- a perfect place to take a quick break. Hi, welcome back to this Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Carolina and we've just done her mum. We've just wrapped up the mum issue. 
Because <laughs> I could have been here for days, seriously, talking about your mum, which is terrible and voyeuristic, but I'm holding my hands up. <laughs> Let's take time. you back to the, the depression. Um, yes. The depression related to the eating disorders and all the other things that were going on in your life. And you've had three serious episodes of depression. Um, are they firmly in the past now? They are in that... Um, so two were whilst I was struggling with an eating disorders and, and right. one was postnatal depression. Um, uh. And um, that was probably the worst. Um, they are in that it's... I, I, I do still have periods in, in, in terms of, you know, the days where, you know, black dog comes visiting. Mm. Um, but the difference, and, and it is just for, you know, two or three days. Um, but I, I, I just hold on to the knowledge that black dog comes and a black dog goes. It, it, it doesn't feel like this is never going to change. I, I know that it does. And, um, and it doesn't happen very often. Um, but occasionally some, and I, and I don't know what normally triggers it, but, uh, and may, maybe it isn't just something, maybe he just comes and, and, you know, without warning, but, um, so occasionally I, I do have some really down days. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it, it's manageable and it's, and I know that he, I know that black dog will go away again. So, um, is it, yeah. is it, uh, is it like being catatonic on your bed again? But being active no, in your it, life, it, does it feel not, like that? It's not quite as severe as as it was. Um, okay. Uh, certainly not being catatonic in bed, uh, dealing with trauma, um, and and not as severe as postnatal depression, where I literally could not get out of bed. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and worse. Um, no, it's just very low, very dark mood um, where I don't really want to leave the house, do anything. I mean, I'll, I, I'll get up and I'll shower and I'll dress and I, I can do those things. Um, mm -hmm. Anything more than that is takes quite a lot of effort. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not long enough or I think severe enough, um, having experienced different um, grades of severity, um, to go back on to medication but I wouldn't hesitate to if if I felt that it was if it was going on for a bit too long, I, I would absolutely go running back to my GP and say I, I need to go back on them. Um, and so, but, but I know that it passes and 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 pass it does. So I don't know whether it's slightly hormonal. I don't know whether it's. Um, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't happen every month, but but it just it it's yeah, it, it comes and goes. I, I know that I am. I suppose the best way of describing is I'm, I'm prone to low mood, I would probably say. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. That's right. Um, let's talk about your work. Yeah. Uh, your workshops, um, you go into yeah. schools, you go into I'm going to say corporations. You go yeah, into businesses. Yeah, go to businesses. Yeah. You um you bang the drum to open up the debate on various mental health issues, don't you? And eating disorders. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, it is. I um I it it's so important to uh, to talk about these issues and to 
make it easier for people to to have these conversations and, and and to say to someone this is something i'm really struggling with and for it to be not shocking and not something to be judged um i i was at a school yesterday and um uh, they had told me how one of their students had um disclosed to a parent and a staff member that they had been making themselves sick um for the previous 12 months and um and i just think oh my gosh you know if 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 we can get people talking sooner um mm. then because it, it's it's the whole you know secrecy and and the isolation of it that that is so hard and um and, and also the shame. and and the shame uh, on the part of the sufferer but on on the parts of other people it's 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 understanding it's um and and it's not being frightened of eating disorders i think a lot of people hear the statistics and um and and they're frightened um and actually they are complex but with the right input you know there's every hope and chance of a full recovery and and freedom and so those who are i try to encourage those who are caring for someone whether it's a friend or a child or a sibling you know to encourage those around them to to not be fearful not to be frightened of eating disorders that it it's about creating making it a normal part of conversation and making right. it safe enough for people to disclose where they're at as well as enhancing other people's um knowledge and understanding of eating disorders so that they're not frightened by it um and and i think it's it, it it's both and um so and that that can be quite powerful yeah, absolutely do you get invited into schools or do you I do, knock on yeah. door and say so i get invited into schools into medical schools businesses because it's not something that just affects school children or school age children it's in fact you may have seen the piece of research that came out i think it was about 3 or 4 months ago now where they found that someone is as likely to develop eating disorder symptoms in adulthood as they are in childhood and right. so it's as important for corporates for businesses for workplaces of whatever nature to also be having these conversations and and expanding people's um, knowledge and awareness of eating disorders um um can i i'm so glad to have spoken to you we are of a similar age yeah i know that there's a whole unseen group of women and men of our age and older mm. who mm. suffer with eating disorders i'm yet to come across anybody and i'd like to speak to someone if anyone wants to speak to me um because it's generally focused on younger people isn't it it is but what do, what do you what do you think i mean this is vast so it's your personal opinion and your experience of speaking mm. to so many people what do you think the reasons are for developing an eating disorder because it's the same whether you're young or whether you're old but what are your kind of top 3 do you have them for, for developing for an eating disorder um well yeah. they're complex and there's no um there's no single cause behind it mm. and it's mm. you know it, it's an interplay it's a combination of biological social um uh, genetics has a part to play and 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 life and trauma it's very often more more often than not a response to a difficult life situation um that that sort of kickstarts an eating disorder but not always and in the cases where there is no obvious cause and i've had conversations with with students with people saying 
I have had a really lovely childhood. I had a great upbringing. I don't understand why I've got this. And it, it tragically, it just adds another layer of confusion and guilt. Um, it's if, if there is no obvious uh, um, cause, uh, underlying cause for it. Um, so I think it's, it's very difficult to say it's this or this or this, because in reality, it's, it's an interplay of various things that come together at a particular moment, um, triggered by something. Um, Do you talk to people, your peer group, who are suffering? Um, I I do, yeah. If if I can sense that they're open, I mean, there's uh, there is someone who I know who 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 wouldn't be, but but the ones that are absolutely, I I, I talk. I mean, anyone who stands long enough to listen will hear me. You will hear me talk about eating disorders and recovery and and anything around it and diet culture and body image and um and I think it's it's harder in some ways for our age group to talk about it because either they've they've had it and carried it with them for a very long time and they mm. feel that they can't get any better or they can't move beyond the point at which they're at. Um, or they simply feel that it is a young person's illness and they sort of exclude themselves from the conversation. And, and yeah, I think and also we're grown up. We're meant to have it together by now. Yeah, I was about to say there's an element of shame and guilt around having an eating disorder in your 40s and 50s and beyond. Um, you know, you kind of feel like you said, you should have it together. You should be sorted. You should have dealt with it by now. But, but actually, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And there are lots of obstacles that can, you know, be in people's paths um, uh, to, to stop them from, from, from getting to that place. Um, uh, it, you know treatment and recovery depends on so many things yeah yeah um what do you um i know that you're you are also an ambassador for beat is, is yes, that right that is right and how how is that in your life what do you what do you have to do for that um for beat it's it's raising awareness it's um taking up opportunities that they offer to um to talk to people to it's normally schools but it's also Offering peer support um, through is there online support groups? Um, it, it's it's a variety, it, it, which is which is kind of super fun in that sense. It, it's not a fun mm -hmm. topic, but it's it just means it's really varied because you get to talk to school children, you get to talk to um, people who are actually suffering and actively looking for support, and and you know that they really want to get better because you know you can be talking to people who who may not realise that there's a problem, they may not admit there's a problem, they may know that there's a problem, but they may not be ready to do anything about it because there mm. can often be a time lag between recognising the issue and wanting to do something about it. Um, and so in the peer support groups, um, that's, you know, it's, you know that people are there because they want to be and and, and that just gives a, a different perspective and, and carer support groups and... Um, but it's it's about encouraging and it's about raising awareness and and support and creating safe spaces where people can come and talk and and be understood and not judged. And can I yeah. just so we're coming to the end? I have two questions. I'm about to ask you a huge question. <laughs> if you can keep it short, I'll try. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a really simple question. I'm just. I know what a, a, a deal it is for lots of people who suffer with eating disorders to then feed their own children. 
very briefly, how is that for you? And to uh, mm. in short, uh, fine. Um, right. I, I do think that those of us who've had eating disorders are uh, uh, run the risk of becoming hyper vigilant. Yeah. About what they do and don't eat, about their levels of activity, about um, and I think it's important to just take a step back. I mean, obviously, be aware. Um, I, but, but things that you know, my top tips would be: don't use food as um, as either a punishment or a reward from mm-hmm. when they're really tiny. And it starts from when they fall over and graze their knee and we give them lollipops yeah. or, or a Haribo or whatever to stop the tears, to stop. Th- that is the very beginning of using food to numb your emotions and, and to use the food to make you feel better um, rather than crying it out, which is perfectly fine. If you've hurt your knee, you've hurt your knee and it hurts. Um, uh, I would say things like um, not to do, don't force your child to clean their plate. If they're, if they're full up, they're full up. I don't always clean my plate, you know, um, and, yeah. and, and, and it's okay. It, it's, it's letting them listen to their bodily cues. If right. and, and my, my youngest says, mommy, my, my savory tummy is full now, but my sweet tummy is, um, is, is empty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I get that too. Sometimes I've had enough of the omelette that's on my plate or whatever it is, um, yeah. and I'm ready for something else. And so it, it's allowing them to leave food on their plates. It's allow it's, it's, and it's, yeah. So I would, I, I think, and it's hard because we are so conditioned to finish your plate or, um, you know, or, you should, or, you, you, or if you don't, if you don't eat your vegetables, you don't get pudding or it, we're yeah. so conditioned. It, it comes so naturally. So it, it was something that I had to do quite consciously. And as I started to say something, oh, no, no, um, because, you know, rules and, and patterns had been such a big part of my life for, for so long. Um, okay. So, yeah, but, but generally okay. it, it, it's fine. And, um, yeah, I mean, keep an eye out, but, but try not to be hyper-focused on it. Okay, thank uh, you. Yeah. So my final question yes. is, if you were on an island, yeah, any kind nice. of island, with a stone yeah. cupboard, I know it's not the best thing to do with your... Your kidney, gallstone, <laughs> gallstone. Um, what five foods would you take? Oh, okay, so gallstone issues to one side. To one side, um, yeah. Because I'm probably not allowed very much. Um, gallstone aside, five food things. Oh, my goodness. I would have cheese, bread, yeah. Yeah. chocolate. Uh-huh. Um, what kind of cheese? Oh, any cheese. Uh, soft, gooey, blue. Okay. Um, yeah, anything soft, gooey or blue. Um, okay. Gorgeous. Um, what else would I have? Um, probably apples. If I'm on an island, probably apples because they're quite. Mm-hmm. I, I like a, a crunchy apple. Yeah, nice um, choice. And ooh, avocados or carrots. Or, okay, well, that's or, six. Or maybe, maybe a bit of chicken. Okay, so you've just done yeah. seven. So you're allowed because you've, <laughs> you're the first person I've let take more than five because I'm very controlling. You can take seven because you've awesome. been under the weather and oh, you've just thanks. been fantastic. Thank you so much oh. for coming on this Food Thing podcast. Oh, it's been so lovely talking to you. Can't it's been brilliant. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know your favourite bit from this episode. Let me know on Instagram at This Food Thing Podcast or join us again in the next episode.